This is Health Yeah, your weekly update on what's going on in the health, wellness, and medical world with Monica Robbins. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for checking out Health Yeah, your prescription for clear, concise medical health and wellness information. Back in March, I had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Dana Wolf. She's the director of the Clinical Virology Unit at Hadassah University Medical Center in Israel. We discussed the difference in how Israel responded to the pandemic, as well as her research with pregnant women and the COVID vaccines. Israel has managed to get nearly 70% of their citizens vaccinated. How did they do it? She explains, but first tells us a little about herself. So I am a physician scientist in virology and infectious diseases, a professor of virology at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Israel. I'm an active clinician as well. And I direct the clinical virology laboratory at the Hadassah University Medical Center, which is a tertiary care medical center in Jerusalem, Israel, one of the largest medical centers in Israel. And I also have my research lab focusing on viral infections, viral damage, pathogenesis, and on antiviral drugs. So you have literally been on the front lines of this entire pandemic from day one, I would assume. Yes, from day almost, I would say from day zero, because as the head of a clinical virology lab, mid-sized specialized clinical virology lab, we, like many other laboratories around the globe, were catapulted by this uh, pandemic into a high throughput arena. Uh, so a high throughput, need for a very short turnaround time within a pandemic, oscillating, fluctuating activity, as well as a recognized need to test not only symptomatic sick patients, but also asymptomatic to patients to contain the spread of the epidemic. So yes, we've been on the front line and testing new antiviral approaches and mod modulating national policies within my activity in the advisory committee for vaccine immunization practices. One of the things I noticed was the way Israel did the vaccine rollout from December 20th on. It seems Israel did everything right. What can the rest of the world learn from what Israel had done? And can you kind of explain what I'm talking about? Okay, so this turned to be a major success. I'm very proud of this uh, achievement. So, you know, one of, one of the strengths, you know, except for getting the right vaccine in the right time, in the right amounts, uh, planning everything ahead of time, was that we have a very organized, a well-orchestrating public health system. So there are major, four major public agencies, health insurance agencies, and by definition, everybody, each person belongs to one of them, is insured by one of them. So there is a very well-orchestrated treatment and information collection system, and everybody is well above orchestrated by the Ministry of Health. So the vaccine was a very good decision and very good step, but not only having the vaccine, but also distributing it very efficiently and timely and collecting all the information and having everybody vaccinated by steps. And in the vaccine, in the committee, in the vaccine advisory committee, we really considered step by step who will be the first. And we decided that age is going to be a major category to stratify patients 
time-wise, who would be the first. And then step-wise, we proceeded, once we got more and more in, we proceeded to enlarge uh, the, the, the people, I mean, enlarge the, the people who are getting the vaccine, enlarge vaccination distribution. And we finally, and we also included pregnant women uh, after initial hesitation with regard to safety, to lack of data, we decided weighing uh, the risk and the benefits to recommend that pregnant women be offered vaccine during third, second and third trimester. So what percentage of the country as of now is vaccinated? A percentage of people 16 years of age and more above who have been vaccinated so far is 70%. So that's wow. a very good coverage. And it's even higher, I would say 90% in the elderly. So it's a higher percent. We are a small country. Population is not as large as in other European or in the US. So it was relatively easy, but it was really efficiently orchestrated. What do you think the rest of the world could learn from the rollout and what you all learned? I think, first of all, the very efficient orchestration of this operation. Uh, the centralization of information uh, uh, in addition to efficient peripheral orchestration by the health agencies and by the hospitals, which also took very active part in immunization. Very careful consideration of uh, priorities and eventually the very efficient and rapid collection of data and another very important factor which I found to be very strong in Israel is transparency. Transparency of information to the public, transparency to the media, transparency to the professionals. So I think overall these are the main factors. My understanding is that as more people were vaccinated, you were keeping data on those individuals and sharing that with the pharmaceutical companies. Is that right? Yes, this has been a central decision to share the data with pharmaceutical companies. Um, I am not involved in these decisions or these pre-negotiations, but I think overall, overall it was for the benefit of everybody. You have also been in quite a bit of research and you touched on pregnant women. Um, most recent research that came out that we heard about was your study of vaccinated pregnant women and whether or not they're passing along the antibodies. Can you talk more about that? What did your research find? There has been positive data regarding safety and efficiency of vaccine in pregnant women as pregnant women were not included in the pivotal vaccine trials because of safety considerations. And as I mentioned in Israel, pregnant women have been offered the vaccine, second and third trimester pregnant women. So to monitor the immunogenicity or the response to the vaccine, we tested pregnant women who came to, for delivery. We tested them for the antibody level, pregnant women who received vaccine during the third trimester. And then we also tested the level of antibodies in the neonates, not directly in the neonates, but in the cord blood which reflects the neonatal level of antibodies. So we tested both maternal and then also maternally transmitted antibodies to the neonates. And what we found was that there was a robust uh, response, immune response in pregnant women. They had a very adequate antibody level, which is probably protective. 
And interestingly and importantly, we also found that there was an efficient transmission of these antibodies to the neonates via the placenta during pregnancy. So there was a high ratio between the neonatal and the maternal antibody ratio. And when I say antibodies, I am uh, referring to antibodies against the viral spike protein, which is the surface protein which mediates entry of the virus into the cell. So these antibodies are critical for protection. I should also say that we measured the antibody levels in women who were vaccinated during the third trimester. By definition, since this vaccination campaign um, commenced during December, and the women who come now for delivery are the ones who received the vaccine during the third trimester. But now we aim to further define the optimal timing of vaccination during pregnancy. Because what we also found that the ratio, the transmission ratio to the neonate is higher as, as the time lapse from the vaccine is longer. So the earlier the, the, the vaccine was obtained, the higher the transmission to the baby or to the neonate. It is safe for a woman to get vaccinated while pregnant, but even though the antibodies are being passed along, how do we know, or is this still part of the research, whether or not they will actually work in the infant? That's a very good question. So as for the safety, I would say that we need more data, more long-term data. There are no, and no safety concerns so far. I mean, more than 60% of pregnant women in Israel received the vaccine, and there were no reports of adverse, significant adverse events associated with the vaccine. As for the durability or protectivity of antibodies, that's a major question that we would like to further address. So we would like to study, and we are actually studying it right now, how protective these antibodies are. Just finding the antibodies does not mean they are going to be highly protective. And then a second important question, or another one, is what will be the durability or the longevity of these antibodies? How long will the antibodies survive and protect the neonates. And we have to take in mind, we have to take into consideration that the uh, neonatal immunity is largely acquired by transplacetan transmitted maternal antibodies. Talk about your in, uh, research involving detecting COVID. Okay, detecting COVID has been a major challenge. As I said, we are in, into the high throughput arena. We, there was a lack of reagents at some point, and we had to increase our capacity dramatically and efficiently. So we decided to address these uh, challenges, unique challenges during the pandemic by pooling, by sample pooling. This was quite a pioneering approach at the time we assessed it. There was some hesitation driven by concern over loss of sensitivity when you pull samples, when you dilute samples together. But we assessed it very carefully in a small scale at the beginning. We validated the sensitivity issue. We saw, we were convinced that we are lo not losing significant clinical accuracy. And then we expanded um, the testing by pooling of asymptomatic individuals. This is meant to test asymptomatic individuals in which the expected prevalence of infection is relatively low. Because there are three major concerns when you employ pooling. One of them is maybe one of the major ones is efficiency of your pooling. What we do practically is we pull several samples together 
Now, it's called the Dorfman pooling. Once the pool is negative, we declare all the samples that included in the pool negative. But if a pool of samples is positive, then we have to retest all the samples in the pool. So there is a question of efficiency here. So we had to test efficiency, we have to test accuracy, and we had to test ongoing feasibility for a lab to maintain accuracy during massive pooling. And eventually we summarized our findings, our accumulating experience with 132,000 tests, specimen tested by pooling. And we really addressed all this issue. We found that the efficiency was even better than expected, better than the theoretical. So there is a mathematical side into pooling, and then there is a practical reality side. And we found that in reality, the efficiency was better, the sensitivity was better, and the feasibility was great. So we really think it's a very good approach to address a, a growing sample size and to maintain surveillance to control continuing epidemics or even future um, challenges. From your research and from everything that you're learning now, you know, I keep hearing that this pandemic may potentially be a dress rehearsal for something else that's coming. Your thoughts on how your research will translate over to whatever comes next? So first of all, we are now much better in a better state in terms of preparedness. We were quite prepared before as a clinical, as an ex, as an clinical virology lab, but we are much now in a better state. You know, our lab has expanded. It's full of robots. It's full of computers. So we are much better in trans rapidly translating the workload into detection, into reporting. Um, we employ uh, genome analysis, viral genotypic analysis, so we are ready for the unknown. And then we also expanded our research to include unique approaches that can tell us about ways by which virus spread in humans. We develop new models, not just animal models or, or very basic cell culture models, but unique tissue models in which we study viral entry, viral spread, new antiviral drugs and new antibodies. Israel has done, has been on the forefront of a lot of different research projects. One that was quoted by um, our Dr. Anthony Fauci was the study about those who are vaccinated, whether or not the transmission rates, if the vaccine is preventing transmission. I know that you weren't part of that research, but can you talk about what was found? Yes, I think first it's important to mentioned to bear in mind that there are several levels of protection by vaccine. So one is the extreme level of protection, protection against death, and then protection against severe disease as manifested by intensive care admissions, and then protection against um, mild disease as manifested by hospitalization. And then maybe the, 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 the final level of protection or the most interesting one is protection against infection, protection against transmission. And I think all in all, it was found that the vaccine protected in different efficiency, but overall ranging, all ranging from 70 to 95% against all these stages. So very convincing and encouraging correlates of protection. Can you talk about what we may see out of Israel in the near future relating to COVID or anything else? Uh, there is a lot of uh, development now in terms of the genomic sequencing of the viruses, 
of a lot of interest in putting in my lab, employing new models and approaches to study a very critical interface, the interface of virus-host interaction. But it's not just the virus that we have to study. We have to study the interaction, the response of the host to the virus, and whether the response will be protective or augmented or augment. Sometimes the response is augmenting the disease, so we have to find the right balance. And then we focus on new antiviral drugs, employing new, again, new models to test antiviral drugs. And well, we also have some efforts in developing vaccines, but these are not in developing new vaccines. Please find me on Twitter and Instagram at Monica Robbins. Catch up on health news and future podcasts on my Facebook page, Monica Robbins WKYC. Video podcasts are uploaded to my YouTube channel. Just search Monica Robbins and please subscribe too. Keep up to date on all of your new sports and weather on WKYC.com and the WKYC YouTube channel. And please follow the WKYC social media accounts as well. Random acts of kindness are good for your soul. Practice them daily. I'm Monica Robbins. Until next time, have a healthy week. Thanks for listening to Health Yeah! with Monica Robbins from WKYC Studios. Subscribe now so you never miss an update. And find more on everything you heard here on WKYC.com and on the WKYC app.